Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 57 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I read through the Harry Potter book series page by page, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, this is my first time reading them. Rob has read them many times, and his job here is to help walk me through that experience of reading through them for the first time. Full disclosures, I have seen the films, so I do know a little bit of things that happen, but it's it's really the experience of watching the movies or rather, it's really the experience of like whether or not I missed anything in not reading the books when they came out. Um, and boy, did you! Or you know, <laughs> or more, ju- or you know, just like experiencing what, what even are they? Right. Lots of questions, lots of experiences, lots of fun. In this episode of Death Readers, we'll be going through chapters twenty-five, twenty-six, and twenty-seven of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. I just sort of go on autopilot when I do that, and no. I have no idea what I'm saying. I think you do. You do it well. I haven't heard any complaints. <laughs> I have. I have heard complaints. Well, fuck, Regardless. Fuck those uh, people. <laughs> no, they have their opinions. They deserve them. I'm probably terrible. Uh, I didn't not say you, who though. else I was saying fuck to, You're the but best. fuck those people currently right now. Fair enough. Yeah. The Do we have any housekeeping? Um, I don't, I don't think so. There's been no breaking news in the world of fairy potter this week <laughs> no i can't do you have any housekeeping oh uh, no okay i don't think so okay great it's great it's good yeah all right well that just jumps us right into i think chapter 25 the seer overheard sure that was the right word seer damn it did i <laughs> yeah you're right i'm sorry i'm i'm very very dumb i wrote the secret uh, i mean it kind of works it's one of those things where your brain frog DNA is something because you glance through it and you're like, secret, that works fine. Moving on. Secret overheard. Brain DNA. Yeah. Um, before we get to notes, I, I have a thought that I thought I was going to write down but didn't. And that's just, hey, look at all the romance here. <laughs> oh, my God. They're dating so good. So in love. Yeah, weeks. I... Uh... I, uh, my first note is page three, uh, 535, oh. which, if you're keeping track, is, is the first page of the chapter. And it says, uh, so uh, now Harry and Ginny are, quote, dating. Yeah. Uh, that, that's it? Wait, what do so you the, mean? The, the, the romance we got happened between the last sentence of the last chapter and the first sentence of this chapter <laughs> in the gutters there was the romance that justifies their relationship and their interactions. That romance pulled itself up by its bootstraps. It pulled then, itself yeah, out of the yeah. gutter. Yeah, it was uh, really well written. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh. I, my actual note says, pathetic. <laughs> What a waste of potential. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Wait, you know, I mean, people romance in different ways. Yeah, some people romance at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I say this unironically, love is love, but that I don't fucking know what that is. I know it makes me mad. That's what that is. Whatever the fuck this is. It's like I get to. I have. I have. I have an idea about it later. I'll get to it okay. later. Okay. Um, but I mean, she's propping herself up against his knees, man. It. It sound. And this is okay. I'll just say it now then, because it's relevant. Okay. So she makes this manifesto last week, or two weeks ago. Fucking knows what time it is. And in it, she talks about 
her abuse, you know, her domestic violence abuse history. Sure. And it occurred. I don't. I don't know, and I would not presume to know the ins and out of her trauma and her life. Sure. And want to fully respect them in terms of their validity and etc. But it occurred to me while I was reading this. This is the first time it, that we get to see what I would consider to be an actual romance developing in these books. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, like, or what would be a considered a potentially like a traditional romance. Whereas you have someone like you have the, the the, the, the uh, fantasy romance of like, you know, Ron's longing for Fleur or whatever. Sure. You have that pining, you have the, and then you have like the relationship of like, ron and hermione where they're like friends for a really long time and eventually that kind of blossoms organically because that's that makes sense but they don't really do anything like you don't see them go on dates you don't see them like share uh experiences of like times when they 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 don't they don't expose themselves to each other in a vulnerable emotional way that's exclusive that's one of those bonding things that happens when people have when people develop these kind of relationships is they they develop a, a interpersonal trust based on like I'm gonna expose my emotional vulnerabilities to you. You how you respond to them will dictate how close I feel we are. How we proceed. Be. Right. Right. So so like anything like that or anything a little normal. I mean like just to, There's this one time she saw him at breakfast and ran out of the room. Oh, that was, that was foundational. You say there was one time. I say that was the time. Uh, are we reading? Are we reading the same books? Because, uh, because I remember that as an emotional roller coaster. Fuck Wuthering Heights. This is magical. <laughs> and obviously, you have like the Chamber of Secrets is its own trauma. They're they're team members on a sport team. Sure. <laughs> they. There are things like that that exist, but when the when we finally get there, like Harry and Jenny are an item moment, it happens between the end of a chapter and the start of a chapter, and then there's this by next note, which is literally the next page five thirty six, which is just like what the fuck is happening in this book? Because like it goes from Harry and Jenny did a lot of like they they did a lot of dating <laughs> like it's basically how the chapter starts it's harry and jenny they did some dates oh boy did they i could listen it would it would destroy your hearts and it would it would put the most celebrated uh ballads to shame how deep and serious and legendary their love is but i it, you, you should just take my word for it because we only we have so many pages, you know. It's not like these books are notoriously thick. But we couldn't spare it. We just trust me. It's just it's there. Just trust me. So we hit that, and then like we get into this moment where, where like Ron is being a weird dick, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Just remember, I gave you my permission or some shit." And then Ginny says like. When have I ever needed your permission, Ron Weasley? Which is like, cool, good for you, Jenny. Way to go. I'm not surprised. I don't know why Ron would say this. We've already had this moment. We literally already had this moment chapters ago with her and somebody else where he was like, she like went off on him about Fleur or something. Uh, I think so. 
Yeah, it was sometime in this book where she already like stood up to him and laid down the law. So she said to do it a number inc- of times. She said to do it five times too many. So either he's incredibly dull, or somebody forgot, or somebody didn't trust their audience to to see that as a as a moment that was like character defining, like a threshold that was crossed. When you when you do something, when a character takes an action like that, like a like a when they stand up for themselves like that. Uh, in, in a time that feels like a threshold and they do it more than once, it stops being a threshold and it starts to become a norm. Right. It starts to become a aspect of the character. It, it loses any of the potential like chutzpah or like, that's not the right word. Any, any of the potential like gravitas okay. of like, of, of that first like moment of like, I'm a new person. I have, you know, I've left behind the, the timid person who would not stand up for themselves. And I'm now this stronger person who's going to tell you that you don't get to tell me what to do. This sounds like it wants to be that moment, but then she like completely undercuts it by being like, by arguing, by being like, yeah, well, like, what about you and like Lavender? Like you guys are making out all over the place. Plus you already said you like Harry better than like Dean and whoever the other guy was. Michael, I think. Yeah. And then, and Ron's like, yeah, you're right. And it's like, what? Why? It's so much weaker to have to explain yourself when you don't need to explain yourself. Don't get any ideas. Um, Oh, like like you don't have a fucking Mary Poppins quote in your back pocket ready for ready for me. In this I don't moment. know what you're talking about. I was just going to come up with a reason why it might have existed as a character beat for Ron. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to reclaim it now. Oh, okay. Um, Is this one of those like in the gutters thing where like I need to trust that you had it and it just it did exist and just believe me it is a character building moment for Ron. It would just be a waste of podcast for me to tell you about it, but just like it is, it really is. I I think it was just a lazy way to show how he was reacting to their relationship. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that's the best it might be. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. I mean, there's it's a question that would it's it's a it's a rich and fertile area. Like, how does the character, how does this, the hero's character's best friend respond when the hero starts dating his best friend's sister? Mm-hmm. Th- that's a really interesting, to me, in a kid's book, it's an interesting sociodynamic that w- could be compelling. And she kills it in a page. She, like, she peppers it in the earlier chapters whenever Harry's, like, having his psychotic, like, <laughs> obsessive fantasies about Ginny. Right. And about how Ron would react. I certainly know that the best way to start a relationship is to consider how everyone around you would react to it instead of just doing it, have having, having a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I hear what you're saying though. Cause you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's got to happen at some point. You've got to hear how Ron feels about it. It just would make more, how much more like, I feel like the, the better character choice for Ron would have been for Jenny to, or Harry to say, so are we cool? Like, do I, are you, are you upset with me or anything like that? Even privately. And then for Ronda turn him to go, no, are you kidding me? Like you're my best friend. Like I've, I, I can't imagine somebody I would rather date my sister. I don't know. It feels like that would be like, I'm not, maybe it's, maybe I'm too, I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at this. It doesn't matter. What I think is irrelevant. What matters is what's on the page and what's on the page is dumb. So like, this is the part where it's like, I wonder if part of the reason the romance is missing is because I, I wonder if at this point in her life, in JK's life, if she really felt like romance was something she wanted to write. Hmm. 
Wait, she wanted to write it and that's why it's not there? No, I'm saying I wonder if she didn't want to write it because it, I don't know. I, I just, I wonder. I mm. wonder if like. What, where, where she was relationship wise or romantically. Or emotionally, mentally, sure. when it came to talking about or writing romances. Because, like, I can invent an entire, like, story about how tough that could be for someone. But I think it's best just to suggest that, like, I can imagine that could be really tough mm-hmm. for someone who, from her own admission, has survived some pretty, like, awful domestic violence for her to have a situation to, you know, rather not write romance because it's, you know painful sure. i don't know the right words but like just I, I i imagine that that would be a really difficult thing and i i just it just wonder like i would rather have it be that i guess i would rather have it be like uh like a trauma-based aversion because i can understand that mm-hmm. more than like bad writing <laughs> and, and and again like another thing i'm trying to like contemplate when i talk about these books is like trying to trying to reevaluate where my own personal taste comes in i don't know why someone i don't know when i watch alfred hitchcock movies they piss me off because so often he just has a opposite sex characters and then he's just like they are dating now right or they are a rom- in, in a romance right now and that's how this feels it just feels like zoom we're gonna cut through any of the like character development that could make this justified instead just gonna tell you there's like a fucking movie. I forget which one it is. I think it's like, I think it's the 39 steps um, where these two characters are just like sitting on a boat or something. And one of them, or maybe it's like foreign correspondent. I think it's foreign correspondent. Two characters turn to each other on a boat. It's like raining. And one of them says, the, the guy says to the, to the, to the lady, he says something like, well, it sure is raining. Do you want to get married? <laughs> And she says something like, yeah, it's quite a downpour. Of course I'll get married. I thought you wouldn't ask. And he's like, well, we just met each other yesterday. And she's like, sounds like a date. And it, it's just like, and then they're a, they're a couple now. <laughs> the rest of the film. What? <laughs> like, I. Out of curiosity. It uh, feels fucking crazy. Was that guy Cary Grant? No. That was a pretty good Cary Grant. Was it? I thought so. He's actually pretty cute. I wanted to not like him. I wanted to think he wasn't cute. Why? But then he's like really cute. I don't know. Like, because he's too cute. No, it's that thing about male actors where it's like the 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 appealing look has changed. Mm. Like it's evolved. So like he has kind of like he's like an older. He, at least in like I think Notorious, he's like a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So he's got little like face lines, and he's very like distinguished and very handsome and very cute, but like. He also kind of looks like a plumber. Sure. And it's like... A very well-spoken transatlantic plumber. Technically, he's British. No, technically he's British, but the accent he affects is transatlantic. Yeah. Uh, so I just wonder, like, what part of her... Like, it, it feels like there's a similarity there where, like, I don't know if it's a British thing about you just don't write romance, which doesn't seem reasonable. But, like, it would be very weird if that was the reason. Like, I get that, like... There's a stereotype about British repression, but I feel like it's it it can't be this like No. I mean I cite you again whether this repressed. Romeo Never and Juliet, all English authors. Never seen it. Well. That one you can miss. Name a more iconic romance than Romeo and Juliet. Do it. Do it. 
Tristan and he's old. Never seen it. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Ar- um, Arthur and the Minimoys. Never seen it. Guinevere then. Nope, never seen it. Les Minnelli. And? Arthur. Sticking with Arthur. Arthur King of the Britons? No, Arthur played by Dudley Moore. Oh, oh, Arthur the movie Arthur? Yeah. The one that was the, the one that Russell Brand remade? I wouldn't know. I don't watch shit. Yeah, you do. Shut up. No, I don't. <laughs> we watched Ginger Dead Man together. Shut you up. definitely watch shit. That was a terrible movie. Wasn't great. I want to bring up that movie for a second. Okay, everybody. We're taking a movie interlude. Death Readers movie interlude. On this movie interlude of (laughs) Death Readers, we're going to be discussing the should-have-been-made-for-no-TV film, The Ginger Dead... Gary Busey's The Ginger Dead Man, in which Gary Busey is physically in the very beginning of the film where he plays an insane, like, behaving, psychotic, maybe murderer who's, like, shooting up a coffee shop and then, like, pulls out a woman from the back who's, like, a server and tells her that he's not going to kill her or something after he blows her mom's brains out in front of her brother or some shit. It, the point is, Gary Busey is the selling point of the film. The selling points of this film are Gary Busey's in it, so it's going to be crazy, and it's called Ginger Dead Man. And you have some assurance that there will be a homicidal Chucky-esque gingerbread man running around this movie doing crazy shit. And you, you get the bare minimum of those things. It's not, it's not wrong. It's just not, it's also not what I wanted. I wanted like Chucky as a gingerbread man. And what I got was occasionally a gingerbread man doing something but mostly three teenagers complaining about life yeah. and themselves and each other. So uh, And some really, really egregiously offensive baking. Yeah, like that thing where they put the blood in the dough. Do you remember the part where there was like Gary Busey's mom, who someone we were supposed to believe is Gary Busey's mom, shows up to the bakery with this poison dough mm-hmm. or flour and gives it to them. And just drops it off and then skitters away. Never resolved. Right. Never addressed. No, it was uh, it was it was it was crap. Why did I bring that movie up? Um, I don't know. Well, that ends this Death Readers <laughs> <laughs> movie moment interview. Whatever I said earlier. <laughs> um, movie interlude. <laughs> yeah. When's your first note? <laughs> 537. Anyway, I, I I think to cap off my original thought, I don't know which I don't know if I capped off because this is a very uh, tangent filled episode. Mm. I, I it occurred to me that in light of recent revelations that perhaps the reason these romances aren't here is that there is a reason they're not here. Interesting. Who knows? Uh, I, I'm also very open to having read too much into it. Entirely possible. Anyway, that's the end of my notes for 5.36. Well, my note's 5.37. That sounds like you're up. Oh, ho! The possible prince payoff. Is this not a red herring? I'm just saying it's possible. A girl prince? 
Isn't that exciting? It's exciting, but it, w- would JK acknowledge it? Wow. Uh, well, we'll just, I feel like she's kind of caught herself in a hypocritical moment here. Well, we'll, we'll just we'll just table that one for now and move on. <laughs> which is interesting. Which brings us to five thirty-eight. Okay. Uh, pre- Wait, am I? I'm like I, I just want to point out like <laughs> all I'm saying there is like I mean I also had a note on that page for that idea. And the idea was like it was a callback to our other. We we talked about this in a couple episodes ago because sure. she because Hermione brought it up again, mm-hmm. and like I don't remember from the film who the half blood blood prince is, right? And it just struck me this argument of the, couldn't the half blood blood prince be a a, a lady a, a female person? <laughs> struck me real weird that we happened to be reading these chapters that week. Which is directly related to my next note. Okay. Uh, 538. Uh, pretty unmovable on gender. The prince has to be a bloke. Yes. Because yes. the prince thinks like a guy, or ergo has to be a guy. I yeah. just, I just, I mean, I know I'm certainly more sensitive to that right now, but I was also sensitive to that right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just, it's, uh, is it interesting? I don't even know, but it's caught my eye. I, I mean, that's like I was saying that <laughs> I told you about this recently, this idea that like our thoughts are all, are all just like a product of, are of the sequence of events that led up to them. Sure. So in this moment with us reading these chapters, specifically in this moment in time with the recent events that have happened, we probably would not have picked up on this. Mm-hmm. If, if this shit hadn't happened, but because it has happened, it could entirely, it could be entirely likely that she was like writing into her book, some very strict gender norms and not even, not even as a, um, agenda, but just, no, just like as part how, of what, with right, her world. Exactly. Her, her worldview. Right. Yeah, it could have it could have easily bled through here in a in a way that she may not even be aware she was doing. Right. Yeah. Um I think I mean what I'm saying is I think it is interesting. You shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't you shouldn't couch it by being maybe it's not interesting. I think it is interesting. We're in this moment. Let's we have to deal with it. Okay. Like you know, I wouldn't want to presume to speak for uh a for any any trans person on what that's like but like i can i can certainly say that this thing in this paper looks odd mm-hmm. like or in this book looks odd considering these other things so my, my point there is like last episode we didn't have a big conversation about the the jk rowling manifesto as it's being called um with the idea of like it just doesn't feel like our our place at this moment should be to be supportive and and listen, mm-hmm. not to tell people how we feel about shit. Not not to add. Essentially, what I wanted to avoid was putting us in a position to just say things that would it would essentially just be kind of redundant and would be more you know uh, personal coming from someone who's actually experiencing it. Like mm-hmm. we're it, we're the people who need to be listening, not the people who need to be talking about it. So that's why we chose to to like. 
offer as much support as we can, but also just be like, I want to hear your stories. I don't want to tell you what I think. But in this moment, I think it is our place to be like, huh, that's fucking weird. Like, <laughs> it's it's really interesting that she... Let me put it this way. Would you have considered questioning the gender of the prince if she hadn't brought it up? Probably not, no. And I agree. I don't think I would have either. I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm saying I wouldn't have thought of it. She brings it up. Okay, now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm thinking it could be a lady. Cool. I don't fucking care about like about titles and genders and what they belong to or whatever. I don't know, man. Uh, 539 is my last note for this chapter. Okay. Do you have nothing else then? I have an overall sure, sure, sure. sort of idea. So this is in regards to uh, Harry talking about how he's got detention on Saturday. And the Saturday after that. And the Saturday after that. And if he doesn't get it done, he might have to come back next year and do more detention. And that's when it really hit me. Shouldn't he have been fucking expelled? What did he do again? Attacking Draco. I don't know how the rules work here. It's all dumb. It's... What 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 would get a kid expelled from Hogwarts? Lit- like what happened to Hagrid? He li- he was accused of literally murdering another kid with no Is proof. That's the only and that, with I mean, no proof. Yeah, they couldn't even prove it, and he was allowed to come back and work. Which you would think, if he was predisposed to murdering children who go to that school, you wouldn't want him on the grounds. I mean, they definitely hired Freddy Krueger back. Did they? No, okay. not okay. at all, because okay. that's insane. Uh, you got me. You got me. Uh, made a point. Um, uh, yeah, that's... So I, I, I feel like detentions, even if it's detentions through the end of the school year, that's not enough for what happened. I don't care that he didn't that, know what but, he did, what it was. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, the, only that, argument, like, sorry, the only argument I could see being made. What were you going to say? I wanted to agree with you in that, like, the the rules at Hogwarts make no sense. They, they're they arbitrary. They're they're vacant of logic. It's, it's dumb. And then the punishment itself is like, that kid got worse punishment from uh, Umbridge for just talking in class. Right. Like, I, and, and she was definitely out of line. Sure. But, like, what he did wasn't almost killing a kid. Anyway. <laughs> um... It does seem like, but I, the thing about the detentions, I'm fair, I wanted to point out here. I'm fairly certain this is one of those moments where th- is this not one of those instances where Harry eventually learns and reflects upon Snape protecting him by keeping him out of harm's way by hiding him in detention for these many weeks on on their weekends that he's not out there potentially being involved with Draco and getting into more trouble. I honestly don't think so. Oh really? That's what I thought. Yeah, no. I, I, I honestly don't think so. I, I could be wrong, um, but that does not, in in, in the, uh, what do you call it, the sort of montage that you, I think you're referring to. Right. This doesn't come up. This is, this is him actually being I mean, pissed at Harry and putting him in detention. It seems like a missed opportunity then, because like, I mean, what better way to, like, protect Harry than removing him from Hogwarts? Right. And, like, the the interactions he could have. And, like, the the trouble we know he gets up to on his free time. Uh 
it would have been one of those great montage moments, I think, if it's not. Yeah. Uh, lame. My only other, like, overall note in the chapter was just, I wonder how much of... It has to do with that idea. It's just, I wonder how much of these last two books are about, like... Like, transition from, like, the heroics of Harry Potter into, like, the tragedy of Severus Snape. Mm-hmm. Like, like kind of how, like, Star Wars eventually became this sort of, like, the tragedy of Darth Vader over six films. Right. Um, how, like, you start off thinking it's about Luke Skywalker and it's about his adventure and then it, it, you, for the first three movies... Or the prequels, it's all about, like, how Anakin becomes Darth Vader. And then, like, when suppose, you're supposed to, like, have those feelings about that character feeling like he's a tragic figure and feel bad for him for the actions he commits in the, the fourth, fifth, and sixth installments. I mean, it doesn't really work there. But I feel like she's, like, trying to do something similar here with Snape. With, the, with that moment specifically is where I first thought about it in these chapters. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, oh, here it is. Here's that moment where, like... I could see this being a thing that could protect that kid. It's like, like, let's say you're a parent and you hear from some other parent that there's going to be a really like raucous party or something happening on a specific day. Or there's like a, you or like you hear like one of your, your like you overhear, like, let's say you're a parent and you overhear your kid and their friends talking about how they're going to, how they're, they're going to get in a fight at some point. Like they're planning to physically like have an altercation with somebody. So in order to prevent that, you ground the kids so they can't make the event that would have been bad for them. Right. Like you find, you find a way to like make, like you make yourself the bad guy to save the kid. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like. And I was like, that, that could be really compelling. Like it's, if that's the situation, like a season three of stranger things, like this whole, like, uh, Oh, did you not see it? I, I, I tapped it out of season two. I can't remember if it's season if it's season two or three. It's whatever I, one I get, she like, like halfway I, through season two. Go ahead. It's the it's uh, well you don't care so it's it's spoilers. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the season where Eleven lives with uh, Harper, and they have all these like fights about like teenager parent fights. I think that might be two. Are they in a cabin? I yeah yeah. I think I, I think I did remember I seeing don't remember. that. I thought season two was the one where she went and became an X-Man. She might have eventually. No, that was, I don't know, man. I don't know. It is all, it's confusing. I know season two sucked. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, the, uh, but like that, that sort of moment could, felt like it was happening or it was about to happen. And then like, I guess it doesn't. Sorry. Sorry. I was trying to like, sorry. I was trying to read between the lines and add something in there that was. No, she tells you when to read between the lines. She did that at the beginning God of the chapter. It. Yeah. I I keep hearing these people on Reddit, to, like talking about how she, she trusts her readers to have so many independent thoughts and like think for themselves and like doesn't spoon feed you. And it's like, really? Cause it feels like, feels like that's not true. It feels like you're frog ing it and you're attributing it to her instead of yourself. Right. You're like, oh, she's such a great messiah. She let me think of this thing for myself. And it's like, or you just put it in there. It's like if you play hangman, mm-hmm. is the person who picks the word the smart one or is it you for figuring out the word? It's you for figuring out the word. No shit. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, like. Yeah, you're filling in the blanks. You're doing all the work. You're the smart one, not her. Also, fill in the right words. Slavery's bad. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it just blows my mind. That whole concept blows my mind. I'm not going to talk about it anymore right now. 
because it's not relevant right now. It will be but, the next book. Oh, thank fucking God. I can't wait to talk about it more. Um, that's the end of my notes for that chapter. Same. That brings us to chapter 26. The Cave. Of Wonder. Um, Find me the lamp! Fetch me the lamp. Touch nothing but the lamp. Touch nothing but the lamp! Unlimited cosmic power. Phenomenal. What? Phenomenal. God damn it. You know what it is? You know what I know? You know what I know it is? Phenomenal cosmic power is what Jafar says. Unlimited power is what uh, Emperor Palpatine says, (sighs) I think. When he's like electrocuting like Mace Windu or some shit. If I'm going to keep up my pedantry streak, and I'm going to, uh, the genie says phenomenal cosmic power, not Jafar, and then Aladdin puts a bow on that at the end. Oh, god damn it. I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. So, put down your angry angry tweets, people. I got this. No one tweets us. <laughs> we are not worth tweeting. Yeah, they almost did, but I stopped them. You see, if you, if you let me be inflammatorily wrong about these things, we'd get tweets. People would comment at us and say, hey... <laughs> Um, actually, the genie is the one who said phenomenal cosmic power. <laughs> yes, that's the nicer version of what they would say. <laughs> um, well, thanks for that tangent, me. Um, chapter 26, The Cave. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any notes on this chapter. Really? What do you have? Uh, I got. I sort of do. They're just, I, just not sure. really. I've got 571 through 573 as an overview of that section. Do it up. This is fucked up. Which part? The whole Dumbledore drinking the potion, screaming he wants to die, making Harry feed it to him. It's always it's always unsettling to read. I don't like it. I don't like... I, I may, maybe it's effective in that sense of taking you to being uh, a child and witnessing a really raw, weak moment of an adult. Um, but it's, it just, it's zero to 60. It is wackiness with Ginny. And then now we are in some heavy shit. Yeah. Um, I loved it. So, oh no, I mean, please tell me, tell me how you loved it. I loved the whole, I love my note here is one good chapter doth not a great book make. (laughs) I think this is one of those chapters that t- that speaks to how these books aren't really for me. Okay. Because th- I liked this chapter a lot. And I feel like the story beats that need to take place between where Harry starts and how we get here mm-hmm. could have been done much more efficiently and still resulted in the kind of payoff that this moment brings. But because there's so much chaff, I get exhausted with it and end up here and I'm like finally a part of the book that's good and I feel like a because these books are kind of like trying to please everyone at once mm-hmm. people who like these chapters fixate them in their memory they like become fixed points of like representing the entire goodness of the whole book in this one chapter sure. and so they can't really look at the book objectively and say yeah it's way too big and unnecessarily like boring and just it, it's a lot of world building that doesn't really go anywhere and it 
I don't know. It, it kind of does, I guess. Like, there's... It all comes back to that same idea of, like, I guess I, I really don't enjoy the structure of the school year book. And I think that's the part that, that bums me out, is you have to do things like this whole, like... Like, literally in the last chapter, they're like, suddenly it's June! And you have to be like, okay, that's important because we know the school year has to end because it's a Harry Potter book. Right. It's not important for any other reason. These... There are weeks or days that happen in between there and now where it's just like what ha- like these they have all these in- intense emotional character like building moments. And then like this like drought of n- going to class like normal. It just it just it just it's so disjointed and, and odd. And, and I don't I just don't like it. But like I, that's that's a, that's the point is I did like this chapter. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't considering how much of the book is shit until they get to this chapter. And they're like, oh, fuck, yeah, what a payoff. And it's like, it was 600 pages Mm -hmm. to get to this payoff in just this book. Like, these these books are too big. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're gluttonous books. Anyway. um, 573, I have one more note. Okay. Like your... uh, uh, was it was it uh, feet the size of baby dolphins? Yes. She had a an analogy that stuck with me in a horrible way. Like well, technically, a, that's a simile. A simile a simile is an analogy. Similes and metaphors fall under the umbrella of analogy. All right, I guess if you just want to be generic about it. I did want to be generic about it. Then you succeeded. But now I'm being specific. Hmm. <clears throat> This simile, like a child dying of thirst. Oh, I must have missed that one. <laughs> it's it's uh, when Dumbledore is just so thirsty. You know, the, when you... So it's not, it's not even a good simile because she's describing thirst with thirst. Yeah, um, that's one aspect of why it's it's not... Oh, no, that's... that. I mean, that that's my secondary aspect, but just, just the... The magnitude of that is just, oh my god. Well, the magnitude isn't like, first off, pop pop. Secondly, the um, I tried so hard not to do it, and I succeeded. <laughs> um, the <laughs> uh, the the thing about similes is that you're supposed to make reference to a relatable a more relatable situation so that you can con- mm. call a comparison to it to the to the unrelatable situation for your audience to connect to it right does she think that the metric <laughs> of like people who like I'll, I'll admit the number of people who can relate to sp- like force feeding a dying all very very powerful wizard magic potion like poisonous potion is really low. Like that's a really low mm-hmm. number. So she should use a simile to describe what it's like. But the the amount of people who've watched a child dying of thirst, is that what she said? She said Dumbledore drank like a child dying of thirst. Yeah. So my point is like the amount of people who have also seen children dying of thirst and who are reading Harry Potter, they don't need that comparison drawn for them. They right. they get it. They're not the ones who need it. The people like me who have not seen a child die read that and go, oh, this is exceedingly hyperbolic. I can't relate to it any more than I could relate to the wizard dying of thirst. So I guess it's I guess what I'm learning is 
because there aren't real wizards, there aren't really people dying of thirst and I don't have to care about them. (laughs) It's the only conclusion one can draw. I mean, that's just logic. Yep. We just solved famine, maybe? I'm not sure. World thirst. There it is. Is that a thing? World thirst? The thing about thirst. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. anymore. Not, first off, not anymore. Solved. The second thing is, uh, when it comes to thirst, it's hard to say. Like, when you say people are dying of thirst, you're like, just, it sounds a lot easier to fix than dying of hunger. <laughs> like, it's right. it's not. It's not. But, like, I think that's how people treat it. Like, thirst is the kind of, is not, it's, like, when you say something, there's, there's no equivalent to, like, starving for dr- needing to drink. Right. Like, there is being parched. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Like, that's the plateau for being thirsty. <laughs> But, like, people say that, like, you, it's not as easy, you can't look at someone and they're not, like, skin and bones and you're like, oh, he needs a drink. <laughs> like, it's not your right. first thought. Your first thought, holy shit, that guy needs to eat. Right. Um. Anyway, I think. You've I, got, you, you're right, you've got a whole range. You've got, what, peckish, starving. hungry, famished, starving. I'm sure there's more. Oh, I'm sure there's more. I was just going to end it there, and then we jump into the conversation. Yeah, but uh, Actually. but yeah, with with, and it's also a more visual suffering. Like when you see someone who hasn't eaten enough, someone who's starving, you mm-hmm. know you can you can tell because they're they've withered, they've become skeletal. There's all the horrible shit going on with them. It's a lot harder to tell that when someone's like someone could be well fed and thirsty. Right. Anyway. That was my last note. It was just a horrific line that I don't know if I've never caught it before, but I certainly noticed it this time. And just, it was so graphic. It pulled me out of the already graphic scene. Yeah. My, uh, my only real notes about this or or this chapter is, uh, that I really liked it obviously. And I felt like it was, it reminded me of like a a Dungeons and Dragons, like puzzle. Like if you're, Mm. if you're the playing character and you are like, if you're Harry Potter and you walk into this dungeon and you have to, you have to figure out how to open this door, like, you know, smearing it with blood would be like something you'd have to figure out. Sure. And it, it does have that vibe. You're very, very correct. And then every time he, every time he like accomplishes one aspect of the puzzle, they have to accomplish mm-hmm. another aspect of the puzzle, which is both visually interesting, narratively relevant and like treacherous. Like getting the boat, recognizing that the boat can really only hold one person, but Harry's not really a full person, so maybe the boat can handle it. Okay, now they're on this like rickety boat. Can they make it across the lake? Well, certainly seems so, but now there's like the zombies in the lake or, you know, in Fury. Corpses in the lake. That's fucking creepy. Was that the thing that jumped out? Added level of suspense. Very well done. Finally get to this other thing. It's another puzzle. How do you get this water? How do you get the locket out when you can't reach in and grab it? The problem here is the thing that undercuts it is that Dumbledore is the expository Deus Ex Machina. Like he explains all the problems and then solves them immediately. <laughs> so that the, the reader doesn't have the adventure of like, or the thrill of like trying to figure it out. It's like, mm-hmm. it's presented and solved at the same time. That isn't really like, you, you don't have height of drama in those moments. And this is one of the most, this is the most dramatic sequence in the book up to this point. Um, sure. Except maybe Harry, uh, Sempra Santorum, <laughs> uh, that's the word, right? 
It is. That's the spell, Sempra Centaurum. It is absolutely the spell to slash somebody open. Yeah. And then they, they leak a bunch of goo all over the place. Yes, they do. It's, yep. Yep. I didn't misspeak. <laughs> nope. Sempra Centaurum. <laughs> I just, I, I love you going through and and trying to remember the names of spells and characters. It's my favorite. <laughs> I feel bad because I feel like at this point, Semper Santorum's just gonna be the episode title. Like it's, it's one of those. It's certainly in the running. It's certainly it's one of those things where it's like, it takes a little bit of the mystery out of what the episode title is gonna be when it's like, oh, there it is. It's there. Semper Santorum. Cool. Um. Anyway, so like you you lose all that drama if you just allow the answer to be there. Anyway, I liked it. I I. I I enjoy. I, I mean, I know you're not saying you didn't. I just, I really enjoyed like everything about it. I even enjoyed the sweet moment at the end where like Dumbledore says that thing about he's not afraid. He knows he's safe because he's with Harry. Some shit, which didn't make any sense, but it was sweet. Like, right. It was very sweet. Yeah. Um. I I really like. There's a moment in these chapters where she acknowledges that when Harry jumps in the water to swim, his clothes become waterlogged and feel like they gain 10 pounds, which is really hard for him to swim in. And I was like, yes, that happens. And it's really important to recognize that because like it, it, you're entering this story point where the character is, the character needs to be unsettled Mm -hmm. in every way possible. Um, You take away their ability to see by make everything dark. You make, you take away like, you put him in a really scary, uncomfortable place with a wizard who's already injured because he's been trying to do these other things. He's been doing this kind of thing before and you can, and he still hasn't healed from it. Like it's a, it seems like a permanent injury. So all these things are like building and building and building the stress level until eventually it cracks. And it's just like it again, I would love to read a Harry Potter book that was chapters all like this, like adventure. Give me some goddamn adventure. Like, I don't know. I, 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 and that's, that's where I come back around to. I just kind of try to accept that these books aren't for me. I really was too old when I read them the first time. There are things about them that are fun and great. And I enjoy like the nerdy aspect of them. Like I enjoy the, like learning about the characters and who they are and like building that Mm -hmm. understanding so I can have a better capacity to reference this fictional world. But I, I'm really disappointed in people who like them more than I think they deserve. Uh, uh, and that's just me being an asshole. So anyway, uh, D and D it's like D and D enjoy D and D. Well, that brings us to chapter 27. The lightning struck tower. Uh, what's your note? 589. Uh, the explanation when he's talking to Draco and getting Draco to tell him everything. Oh yeah has a real fourth wall breaking. I hope you folks at home are getting all of this flavor to it. And I, I, I even know if I didn't like it. It was just, it felt very obvious. It's the same. Every book. Also that same. Every book. It is the James Bond monologuing villain. Like, yes, you ha- you are tied to a table with a laser beam 
like cutting the metal you're sitting on towards your genitals. But that's going to take 20 minutes, which is exactly as long as I need to tell you about my whole plan because it's not a really well-written story and I this is all of the plot and I just it would be a lot more it would be a lot easier for me if I just told you all of it right now. So stand by. Right. Um it's that it's that character wakes up at the beginning of the film or is is montaged getting ready for work while voicemail messages play or like that ex, that expound upon that give you the setting that that tell you mm. the setting of the film as opposed to showing you or the news right. report I think we've talked about before where they they just say the current situation is this you know murderer serious black is on the loose instead of like finding a clever way to give this to you I'm just going to have a person whose job it in our world whose job it is to give you basic information in an easy to understand compact manner i'm gonna have that person do the hard work for me this felt like that and I, again this just might it just isn't for me <laughs> like i'm just i'm trying to i'm trying to appreciate that i'm trying to like give it a break i guess is all i'm saying like from if you okay here i'm gonna play devil's advocate sure well like but draco isn't really a well-developed character. So like Dumbledore's kind of a genius for like playing on him to get him to reveal everything because Dumbledore doesn't know everything yet. And like, isn't that kind of like really like, he's so smart. He, he is, he's been planning this every angle the whole way. Yeah. It works for me. Cool. (laughs) I think it works for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's lazy, but I think it works for a lot of people. But I don't fuck it. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. I mean, she made a good point. Like she, she, J.K. said this thing on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Somebody called her out for something. I, I think, right there, taking that out of context. What? J.K. said a thing on Twitter a few weeks ago. She made a good point. <laughs> I know. Let, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> she it, it, she said something a couple weeks ago. That she made a good point. Somebody was giving her shit for something. I don't remember what. I don't think it was the big thing. Um, right. And the person said something like, "I'm burning all your books" or something like that. Like I'm I I used to love your books, but now I'm burning them. And J.K. Rowling said, "Oh goodness, that really breaks my heart." And it absolutely takes all the money you gave me out of my bank account too. And it's like. I've been saying this, dude. Like, I've been saying this for six books. She doesn't give a shit. She's too rich to give a shit. She doesn't give a fuck about her readers unless they're eight years old. You know why? Because they can't fight back. Right. Like, she writes the fucking Ichabog so that these, like, children will, like, feed her ego. And she can go, she can feel like a, the, the, the world mother and go around being like, oh, you're so smart and talented. You're so great. Meanwhile adults who are having real issues are saying you're n- you are not representing us or helping us out in a way and, be, and, and you want us to pretend like you are and she's like disable comments like <laughs> so like she's just sh- dude oh she feels like a fucking villain she just she's like she feels she i'm not gonna simplify it to say that she's like voldemort or some hacky shit i'm saying like these are the specific things that she presents herself as in public she's a fucking Mm -hmm. like she's a wealthy savior oh pandemic hits 
uh, pile on the praise to me as I give away money to charities. I am the thing. I need attention. Give me attention for this, like, for my savior status. But also, you must fit into my gender norms. You know, don't piss off the queen bee kind of shit. And it's just like, no wonder you like children. That's, that's what I'm getting at. No wonder you, like, are pandering to another young generation of children. And it perpetually. So, they like, because it's that sh- oh, I'm on a tangent. Sorry. It's just that shit with, like, we talked about something recently, and I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's that whole, like, cigarette thing where you, you get children hooked on something. You get them to establish a brand identity early. And then, right. and then they will, or they establish an identity with a brand, a brand loyalty early. And then they'll carry that brand loyalty their entire life because they'll have been cultured by it. They'll be, have been, um, socialized with that relationship. That's how you get Coke people. That's how you get Pepsi people. You know, it's that kind of shit. That's how you get a lot of times Republicans or Democrats, uh, like either way you're finding someone, you're either a person who was raised a certain way and you agreed with it, or you were raised a certain way and you're rebelling against it. Either way, you've established your, uh, relationship with the brand. She's doing that thing where she's created a, a brand that perpetually introduces new younger people to it, like new young people to it rather over and over and over. And they're constantly reprinting these books, constantly getting them in the hands of young children because we've, socialized her work as an acceptable literature for children and mm-hmm. um she doesn't give a shit about when those people become adults is how i'm i'm hearing it I, I don't know that's not entirely fair but like it certainly presents like it's convenient when she doesn't have any children talking back when she has a captive audience who doesn't have the capacity to ask tough questions or or have the self-identity to recognize that they're not fitting into her boxes and she loves that at least socially and publicly she can't she she shirks from like having to acknowledge that she should probably take a second to admit that she might have been wrong about something once or twice anyway right we we i'm talking about this thing more than i wanted to (laughs) like (laughs) i i really really i'm trying to only talk about it in the context of her as a person and the writing. Um, right. What were we talking about? Oh, Draco's exposition. Yeah. Um, yep. It's, it's the same every time. I, and, and I'll point out not necessarily out of my, uh, my formula. No, the defense no, against the dark arts teacher shows up. The only thing that they, he is originally alone with the villain in a new place that they've transported to in, in, you know, a different form of transportation. You know, he, he apparates. Mm-hmm. He's, he's with a part of Voldemort's soul. I don't know. It's, 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 this one's a bit of a stretch to fit the thing, but then Snape shows up. Unless you're going to count Draco. Well, Draco's, I think the main villain in this book at this point. And, but, th- but then again, Snape shows up too. And he's the defense against the dark arts teacher. And those, that's, which is new. That's another, well, no, it's, an, but it's also another part of the formula is the defense. Yes. I, yeah. But he's a new teacher in that. But he's also, aspect. he's also a little bit the villain too, because the defensive against the dark arts teacher either has to be the villain or is present at the conflict with the villain. Very and true. And so he checks off both. Mm-hmm. Um, I was suddenly hit with a thought about how people should hate listening to this podcast. <laughs> cause it's, cause, cause it's, 
I, I just had that this lightning bolt of self-doubt about like, what the fuck am I saying? Of course, everyone knows this. Shut the fuck up, me. No, you're just being repetitive like J.K. Rowling. Theoretically, everyone should listen to this and make us millions. I don't, people don't make money off podcasts. That's a fucking myth. Well, we'll be the first then. Okay. Um, what's your next page note? I don't have another page note. I don't either, but I do have... I have a one-word summation. Go for it. Dumble dead. <laughs> wow. Um, I, mean, I appreciate that much acknowledgement. No, no, dude. I, I mean, if you were Snape, you would have killed. Yeah, it's got to one-up me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess. You're not. I mean... You're a liar. I'm... I... I thought I was yes ending. Uh, you were yes bettering. Is that not the same thing? I don't know. Probably. My uh, my last note is, my only note is that I I thought all of this happened in the final book. I didn't remember. Oh. I didn't remember when the the Dumbledore dying thing happened. Um, mm. as we got closer, so it was a surprise for you. No, I mean, once we got closer and closer and I was like, oh wait, they're in the astronomy tower and Draco's alone. Does this happen twice? Like I kept having those thoughts. Like I, I was like, does this happen more than once? Or is this that, or is this that? Oh shit. It would make sense if this was that, because why would they have that introduction of in the, like the second chapter of Snape making the unbreakable vow, unless that was going to pay off in this book. And then I was like. Yeah, okay, and then it happens. Gotcha. Um, How did you feel about that, about Dumbledore dying? Felt, I don't know, I mean, it, it was like, I don't know why he paralyzed Harry. So Harry couldn't interfere. Why would he need Harry to not interfere? He Didn't he tell Harry that they needed to be together? Oh, because he needed to die or some shit? Maybe. Hmm. Maybe he needed things to play out very close to how they played out. You know what I'm bummed out about? No. Is that we have all this, like, from my memory. <laughs> this is a tough part because I, I, I see the reason the thing about these movies and these books is that the, the way they came out, I ended up seeing the earlier ones way more times than I saw the latter. So, mm-hmm. like, the early ones, I, I know what happens in them for the most part. But these these last ones, I don't really remember that well because they came out and I didn't see them as many times. But so, like, I don't remember really what happens in the last movie movies, but it always I have this feeling like it bothered me at the time that they never did anything with Dumbledore as a phoenix. You wanted him to come back Dumbledore the white style? Maybe not that parallel, but like he's he's deeply associated with a bird who's famous for being resurrection. Yeah, resurrected, resurrected. routinely, cyclically. Right. And then we have this character die in the book before the last book, and I just had this feeling like he's supposed to have this like connection with the phoenix. He draws upon all this fire in this moment. It with with uh. Harry and the other thing, he sets the closet on fire in the memory. Like he has, he's starting to like build a parallel between himself and fire. And, Mm -hmm. and we've already had many examples of the Phoenix parallel. Like 
Well, we might not have seen the end of Dumbledore. Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm trying my I know. best. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this now. Well, no, that's my job, and I don't want to shirk my job. Well, well, that's what I remember about like being confused is this idea that like I don't remember if they do anything with it, and if they don't, what a shame. I guess that's all I'm saying. Right. Oh wait, well, sure. Doesn't Dumbledore is Dumbledore not at the? Was the wedding in this book or in the next book? The wedding will be in the next book. And wasn't Dumbledore at the wedding? No. Okay. Whatever. It's not. Imp- I shouldn't ask you questions like that. Um, but he was in spirit. I mean, we do see him as a portrait. So, like, I know he's a portrait because there's that shot in the movie where he's, like, sleeping. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. weird. Why is he sleeping? Um, so I guess he must be dead, right? So are you talking about him coming back as a portrait? Is that what you're saying? I guess you have to wait and read. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I want the truth. Who could say? You could. I mean, do I have to say that? Like, it's you. You could. You could say. Might be. Could I? (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I want to see. Here's what I say. I want to see a a odd couple of. uh, (laughs) Here's another name I'm going to butcher. I want to see an odd couple of Phineas Flagellus in his portrait and Dumbledore in their portrait on like a buddy cop odd couple style sitcom of like, you know, you know, uh, Phineas Nigelis likes to keep things neat and tidy. And Dumbledore likes fancy socks <laughs> and <laughs> birds that explode. <laughs> yeah. I want to see, I want to see that show where it's just their portraits bickering. It's, I would totally watch that it's, show. It's like a Quibi show. It's only like 10 minutes It's each episode. Sure. It's, it's small. It's contained. Is, is Quibi still a thing? I don't even think Quibi started being a thing yet. Has it started? Oh, yeah. It launched. Oh, I don't know. I wanted to see the Reno 911 stuff, but I I, I don't... I haven't bothered. <laughs> exactly. Um, Wait till it's free. Yeah. I'm sure they'll release it on some kind of media... That's not Quibi. I'm trying to think of like a a, a, a shitty 70s movie or, or even a modern shitty uh, TV show pun for the title of this show of these two portraits. Um, like Frame Up or hmm. Pun. Pun name, now. <laughs> you want me to pun off the top of my head? I mean, head? It's, it's brainstorming. It's collective. We're, we're, we're workshopping this. I'm work. I've been working. You need to. You didn't need to call it into being. I'm. I'm thinking hard, and I've got you nothing. You were staring into nothingness, and I demand perfection. And it was staring back. I demand performance. Um. Uh. uh different. Different strokes. Like like, like brush strokes. But brush strokes. Yeah. I'm into that. I was trying to think of some sort of pun with the word canvas, or like. Or like unlevel, like you have one of them that's like skewed a little, like one of the frames is like not, like it's not, not right. Because mm-hmm. it calls, one of them is, one of them isn't, and it calls to mind the sort of like, you know, the way they don't fit together. Still life with a nutcase. Still life. Still life is good, except they're moving. It. This isn't a good right. idea. This idea is DOA. I get it. It's, it's, 
It's it's dead on Albus. It's just not worth pursuing anymore. Coming to pilot season near you. Soon. Yeah. That's all I have. Um Alright, it's all I've got. Yep. Plosive. Um Pop. so this is that. <laughs> Sorry. Um Yep, this this was the episode about the expository chapters about the book. Well, the ex- cool D and D chapter. The cool D and D chapter, but the book explaining itself to you. The book finally getting you to get to that actual fun fantasy payoff shit. Um, uh, we have one episode left, so yeah, one week left on this series. Check out our movie commentaries on Patreon because we'll be doing another movie commentary, and it will have to take a week off. Um. Yeah. Um, Well, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers news. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit.